Welcome to Piano Beautiful Stories. I'm your host, Jessica Romisher. This podcast is brought to you by PianoBeautiful.com, where you can find my piano music CDs, downloadable MP3s, custom-created music, videos, and much more, and by InDuetWithGod.com, where you can read excerpts from my award-winning memoir, In Duet With God, The Story of a Lifelong Friendship. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Episode 6 of Piano Beautiful Stories, Bright Future, an interview with Frances Hesselbein. Frances Hesselbein is considered one of the country's greatest leaders. From her service as the CEO of Girl Scouts of the USA from 1976 to 1990, to her recognition by former President Bill Clinton in 1998 as a presidential Medal of Freedom recipient for her work as a pioneer for women, volunteerism, diversity, and opportunity, Frances has provided the world with a simple leadership philosophy. To serve is to live. Frances's ongoing contributions to the field of leadership development include her role since 1996 as editor-in-chief of the award-winning quarterly Leader to Leader Journal, her commitment to the University of Pittsburgh's Hesselbein Global Academy for Student Leadership and Civic Engagement, her advisory role to the United States Military Academy at West Point, and her service on many nonprofit and private sector corporate boards, including the Mutual of America Life Insurance Company and the Bright China Social Fund. Francis is the recipient of 21 honorary doctoral degrees the author of three autobiographies, and the co-editor of 27 books in 29 languages. Her most recent publications include My Life in Leadership and as co-author with Joan Snyder-Kuehl of Peter Drucker's Five Most Important Questions, Enduring Wisdom for Today's Leaders. I spoke with her at her Park Avenue office in New York City. We were surrounded by pictures of her with Presidents Reagan, George Bush Sr., President Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, President Barack Obama, and many other esteemed leaders. Frances's life, professional and personal, spans generations. And now, in the second decade of this new millennium, she's inspiring a whole new generation of young people, the millennials. An essential message of hers, which continues to intrigue and inspire me, is that leadership is to be, not to do. Her advice, I believe, is especially striking at a time when people's lives are arguably more hectic than ever, more about doing than being. So I begin this interview with asking Frances to please speak about this principle and what in her own experience gave rise to her conviction that leadership is about character about what it means to be an example rather than just to do. So Francis, I am honored to sit here with you. As you said, that life is providential. There's a kind of deep rightness to having met you. 
and to now being able to speak with you. I feel that you are there in my life in a way that has a profound meaning. Your message, especially at this point in time, is something that people need to hear. So I wanted to really contextualize our conversation by that, because we're at a moment in history, as you mentioned yourself, especially in this country, where I think there needs to be a kind of reckoning with our relationships with each other. When I thought about a civil discourse in a civil society, yeah. I don't know who wrote that, but I love it. Mm. Civil discourse. Today we've lost that. The way we speak to one another, the way leaders speak to one another and about one another, how can we come back to civil discourse in a civil society where respect for all people is a battle cry we all respond to. Long time ago, when I was trying to define leadership, when I had a number of leadership roles, and I was trying to find a definition that leadership Finally, leadership is a matter of how to be, not how to do. You and I spend most of our lives learning how to do and teaching other people how to do, and yet we know in the end it is the quality and character of the leader that determines the result. What gave rise in your own experience, in your own life, that, that led to this? I was eight years old, and I was visiting my grandparents who lived eight miles away in South Fork, Pennsylvania. My grandmother was small and quiet and loving, had seven children, and I learned more from her about the person I would be than anyone else in the world. And one day, I was in her living room where my grandfather had 1893 pipe organ. On the shelf above the keyboard were two ancient Chinese vases, very tall, beautiful. Every Saturday when I went to be with my grandparents, and I adored them, I would go in the music room. May I please touch the Chinese vases, Mama Wicks? No, Francis, no one may ever touch them. Next week, Mama Wicks, may I just play with one of the vases? No, Francis, no one may ever play with the Chinese vases. Finally, one Saturday, I'm eight years old, and I stamp my foot at my grandmother and say, I want those vases. Instead of saying what a bad girl I was, led me over to a Victorian love seat facing the pipe organ and put her arm around my shoulders. She said, let me tell you about those Vases. She said, long, long ago, when your mother was eight years old, we had a Chinese laundryman in our town, 
and every Tuesday picked up your grandfather's shirt and brought him back Thursday beautifully ironed. He had a little bed for his tubs and he slept. He lived in the laundry and he wore a Chinese robe, little Chinese cap. And as he picked up the laundry around the community, the bad boys chase him, call him Chinky Chinky Chinaman, and, and worse. So one day, there is a knock on my grandmother's kitchen door. There is Mr. Yi with a very, very large package wrapped in newspaper. Mr. Yi, she said, won't you come in? Won't you sit down? He handed her the package and said, this is for you. She opens it and inside are two ancient exquisite Chinese vases. And she says, oh, Mr. Yi, I'm sorry, but they're far too valuable. I could not accept them. He says, I want you to have them. She says, but Mr. Yi, why do you want me to have your vases? He looks at her and tear went down his cheek and he says, Mrs. Wick, I'm going back to China. They won't let me bring my wife and my children here. I miss them too much. I'm going back to China and the vases are all I brought with me and I want you to have them. But Mr. Yi, why do you want me to have them? Mr. Yi says, Mrs. Wick, I have been in this town for 10 years, and you are the only person in this whole town who ever called me Mr. Ye. So those vases were on pipe organ. When my grandmother died, she left a little card. I want Francis to have Mr. Ye's vases. I found out when Mr. Yi came to this country and the vases were made in 1848, in my home today are Mr. Yi's vases. And when I was eight years old, when I learned respect for all people from my grandmother and his story about Mr. Yi. Francis, as you're describing the story to me, I feel that I'm sitting on that Victorian seat with you. Yes. I feel there's a double meaning in this for me to hear your story because, of course, I'm a pianist who is also deeply concerned about the world. And it's in that light that having come to know of you and having come to know of the influence that you have on people and for people, for me is especially meaningful at this time. So to imagine you sitting there on that Victorian love seat with your grandmother, hearing her speak about Mr. Yi, looking at that tracker organ, mm -hmm. and of course all the music that must have come out of that tracker organ. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And do you remember when, believe it or not, Ripley used to do a cartoon or sketches? They did one of my grandfather. They sketched him seated at his organ wow. playing, and the top caption says, Squire Wicks, oldest living Republican office 
holder dies in office at 97. Down the bottom caption says, on his 97th birthday, he played a pipe organ recital for his family and his friends. Do you now, remember thought, what he played? Hey? Of course, praise God from whom all blessings flow. He played the pipe organ in the Methodist church yes, in yes. that little town. He was born in England in Cornwall and at eight was playing the pipe organ in the Methodist church oh. there. He played every Methodist hymn you've ever heard of or sung. So in that room, beautiful rosewood piano, and always beside the organ was my aunt's violin, and a cello leans against the other ones. So that's the message Yes. when you went in the music room. Francis, because I'm a pianist and a performer who has the opportunity to share music with people in many different kinds of settings, people of all ages and backgrounds and cultures, I've had the opportunity to see how much music really means to people and how special melodies, favorite themes or songs can evoke cherished memories for a person. You had mentioned to me that one of your favorite themes was Antonin Dvorak's Going Home. I wondered if you could speak about what this beautiful melody means to you. Well, there's something poignant about it. Not sad, but poignant. And I can remember when I was a tiny girl, my grandfather playing, going home while his daughter played the violin, and then another daughter would sing. And somehow it became part of our lives, my life. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't sad. It was just something beautiful about it. How do you feel when you hear it? Oh, when I hear it, I'm moved, and I'm not in the present at all. I'm somewhere in the beautiful past with beautiful people who were the members of my family, and everyone now is gone. But we all lived in that wonderful feeling, the artistry, and everyone played something in my grandmother's if you didn't play the cello, you played the violin, or you played the pipe organ, and music was just part of our lives. And I just wish every child growing up could have some experience music that touches. Yes, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you would like to add to give to people? Here we are in this country amidst an election year, president we don't yet know, an uncertain future. What do you feel that people need to know at this juncture in history? What you just described, as Peter Drucker would say, I never predict. I simply look out the window 
and see what is visible but not yet seen. Now, I look out the window. What do you see, Francis? I look out the window. I see, and I must tell you, I haven't met anyone who agreed with me. I look out the window and I say, bright future. And when I get challenged, as I always do, if I make the mistake of mentioning bright future, I especially young people, uh, the millennials, will say to me, Cecilbein, why are you so positive? After I've spoken to their group, and uh, I look them in the eye and first use a horny joke. I say, well, you see, even my blood type is B positive. But then I get serious and say, I am very positive about the future because of you and your generation. What? Because they're used to hearing this garbage about the millennials. Then I say, there is a study by the Pew Study Center on the 1828, and this scientific study shows that Today's 1828 are more like the 1930s and 40s than any cohort since, and we call them the greatest generation. Today, whatever group of young people I am with, after I speak, after the program, you would be touched by how many young people are lined up to tell me where and how they are volunteering. And when you have an 18-year-old who says, Mrs. Hesselbein, I just got back from Dubai, I'd like to tell you about it. Very moving. So I feel very positive, and right future is my battle cry. I have to say that as I look in your eyes and I can see the brightness that you're describing in your face, and I wanted to mention that so that anyone who was listening could imagine the brightness. And I was also hearing in my ear, in my mind, going home as you were talking, Mm -hmm. as if the poignancy... There's something so beautiful and poignant about that. And as you were describing, I was hearing that sound going through my mind. And we're all, you know, we're on a journey when a young person will say to me, I know I'm going to be a leader, but how will I know when I get there? Leadership is not a destination journey. And on our journey to leadership, we find fellow travelers. And we travel together. There's something very exciting about the journey. The fact that this cohort right now, 18 to 28, more like that greatest generation of the 30s and 40s, should have everyone singing Bright Future. <laughs> well, I know when we were just sitting at lunch, Francis, and I, you said, you know, I believe in Providence. I do. And I felt that, and I said to you, I feel it's providential to have crossed paths with you, to have, to know you, oh, to be yes. sitting here with you. This was not an accident. It's why I don't worry about the future. I think there is something called providence, mm-hmm. and there is a plan for each one of us that is providential. So you and I open one door, we walk through, we close it, we open another door. This is an exciting time to be alive, and we have a bright future, but we have to work. 
we work we have to help other people feel positive about this bright future that is out there. Kind of like your grandmother helped Mr. Yi to feel yes. that he was respected. Yes. And even loved. Yes. In eighteen forty eight those vases were made. I wave to them every night I go home in my living room. And my grandmother continues to have the greatest impact and influence upon my life, both my working life and my private life. I'm blessed that Providence brought us together. It I is. am blessed. Thank you, Francis, from the bottom of my heart. Well, I thank you, and I hope this is one of many conversations we can have. I'll be delighted. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Piano Beautiful Stories. If you did, please subscribe to this podcast and refer your friends too. You can connect with me at pianobeautiful.com and the website for my memoir, induetwithgod.com. On both websites, through your donation, you'll be able to help me bring more inspiring stories and interviews to the world. Thanks again for tuning in and my very best wishes to you.